This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Hey there, hello, welcome. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 82, where I cover new comic book day Wednesday, November 23rd, and it is a delicious lasagna-filled comic book good times right here. I'm your Zupa Toscana host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining in on the delicious nerdy fun that is the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I give you a list of amazing comic books to buy and read every single week. I'm not going to tell you about the goods I'm going to only tell you about the greats that you need to go out there and buy. Please subscribe to our podcast. All you got to do is click that red button. It's all over the place, right? Or follow us and follow us at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Xbox Live, at Sunspots Comics. And please check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Tophelat, T-O-P-H-E-E-L-A-T. It's just a little baby of a YouTube page, but more stuff is coming very soon. Thank you so much to our friend Nick Papa George for making our theme song. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nick. Please follow him on Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. He's got a new single called The Power Within You and a brand new album from his band Solution. Just check it out. Go to iTunes and just search Nicholas Dell or Solution. It's good reggae, pop, rock stuff. I love it. Thank you to my son Justin Jables Latore for his work on the Sunspots Comics blog. And just check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com. Follow him on Instagram at JustSunspots. And his latest blog is on his review of the Doctor Strange movie, so check it out. It is good, good stuff. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 82, with some stuff, some things, floating around up inside my nerd lobes. The first thing that I'm excited about is Black Friday. Uh, I've heard through the grapevine, through social media somewhere, that Skybound, uh, Kirkman's uh, Walking Dead store, was having a, a seriously good sale. Probably got it through the emails or something. And he had a ton of shirts, not he, but you know, his organization, of uh, $5 shirts from Walking Dead and Invincible and uh, just a ton of other stuff. I was surprised at the selection for that you get for 5 bucks, and they actually had my size, which was very, very cool. So I bought like five of them at 5 bucks each. So I know that the sale is extending, so you should check it out. I think it's skybound.com. Maybe they still have some at that price, but I was really surprised. Great selection of Walking Dead stuff. I can't wait to get those. Also, really the only other thing that I bought for Black Friday, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about it, is the Batman and Robin 1966 Season 1. Got it at Best Buy for 9 bucks, And it I, have, I haven't actually revisited it since I was a kid, and it's, it's hilarious, campy fun. 
I mean, it really delivers. And I was surprised at how beautiful it looks remastered, because in my mind, I just remember watching it on our crusty little 13-inch TV, you know, having to whack it upside its head to get any sort of clarity. And also, they didn't run reruns like they used to then, so there's even some episodes there that I missed. So it's like refreshing and neat to watch it so deliciously remastered, and I'm having just some campy fun with that. And uh, next thing on my nerd brain is if you like the comic book from Image called Descender, uh, written by Jeff Lemire and art by Dustin Wynn, check this out. Dustin has actually partnered with the t-shirt company Threadless and has released some very cool Descender t-shirts. I mean, you have Bandit and you have T21 and like the moon and like this no robot shirt. Just good stuff. And they're like 20 bucks. Very decently priced. Threadless has a high level of quality. I bought a few shirts from them, and they've lasted years, and I like it. They're not a sponsor. I don't, uh, I'm not partnering with them, but it's just good stuff. I'm going to buy one today, but check it out at dus.threadless.com. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm going to be buying a couple of those. Not bad for 20 bucks too, but if you love Descender, grab this. That's right. It is just beautiful stuff. It's directly his work, and it's right on, on the shirts, and it looks Gorgeous, beautiful. Dustin Wynn's art is out of this world. So very rare that you see artists sort of team up with a high-quality t-shirt company like Threadless. So I'm excited. I'm going to buy one. So I recommend that. And the last thing on my nerd lobes is I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, I'm writing it, coloring, lettering it. And my friend Jordan Hudson, thank you, Jordan, is doing his beautiful art for it. Please check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art's friggin' beautiful. Thank you so much, Jordan. And I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com. We've posted four-ish pages, uh, no words, just some a little samples of Zombie Destroyers. So please, we're very proud of it. Check out our comic book, Zombie Destroyers, on zombiedestroyers.com. Hopefully, maybe coming out uh, in early 2017. So I'm so excited. I'm just uh, every day it humbles me that I'm actually working on a comic book. I'm I'm kind of sort of in the biz and trying to put something out there that I love. It's a passion project. So Zombie Destroyer is coming soon to you. Where we are, uh, just a quick Zombie Destroyer's update. Uh, he's still, uh, Jordan's still doing the final inks on page 16. I'm already writing 18 and beyond. Uh, the, the comic itself is going to be somewhere between 26 and 29 pages. I know I, I flip around with that because uh, when we start adding some splash pages to really kind of add some zing, it uh, extends it a little bit. But I want that first issue to have some bonus pages and be a little longer than your, say, average 22-page comic. So that's kind of where we are. That's a quick little Zombie Destroyers update. Please check out ZombieDestroyers.com from time to time. And also, I want to just give a quick mention to a segment on our show called Spotlighting. And Spotlighting is very cool. I, myself, am a struggling comic book creator. And if you know someone that's an independent comic book creator, we want to shine some Sunspots Comics love and support to those struggling creators. And we want to do what we can to, to help them out and get their work out there and let people see it and find links to their work and to look at it. So if you yourself or someone you know is an artist, a writer, a colorist, a letterer, it doesn't matter. Just send me a link to your work. Email me, chris at sunspotscomics.com or message me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at sunspotscomics. And uh, I'm an independent comic book creator with my zombie destroyers and I know how tough it can be to get your work out there. So we want to do our part to help. So send us your information. And uh, this week also, I'm going to jump right into my favorite part of the comic book, uh, pod, Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations where I pick my favorite comic books for new comic book day, November 23rd. And 
Let me tell you, it was a doozy. And by the way, spoiler-ish alert. Uh, but really don't worry, I don't give you everything. I leave the last couple of pages alone. I really just want to inspire folks and to find some great, diverse blend of comic books that are out there and, and hopefully inspire you to go to a comic book shop and buy these yourself. Uh, so I'm definitely only covering the greats here. There was a ton of goods, but I only recommend the greats. But spoilerish alert, just in case, but you really don't have anything to worry about there. And if you'd like to see the giant list, everything that I've uh, read, all my favorite picks of the week, back going back to May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com. Just click on the pull list. You'll see my 127 titles that I'm reading. That's right, 127 that I'm reading. Thank goodness they don't all come out weekly or monthly. Also, just click on Top Comic Books of the Week to see all of the past top picks, to see those number ones especially. But uh, I usually read somewhere between... 17 and 27 comics and I usually pick somewhere between 5 to 10 that are the great ones that I recommend you buying so just go to sunspotscomics.com check it out I've streamlined the site I've simplified it I've compacted it I'm very proud of it so please check out sunspotscomics.com and every single week I like to pick an art winner and an art cover winner this week the art winner hands down was the artist Jeff just J-E-F for Trigger Man number two, which I'll get into later. But uh, Jeff is kind of an elusive character. I, I could not find much online. After five to 7.5 minutes, I just sort of gave up. He has that just only name, just Jeff, J-E-F. And I found some sort of trails that thought I was leading to this guy, but really nothing. I even went to the, the all the social medias. I couldn't really find very much. So if you know something about Jeff, send me some information about him. Uh, at Sunspots Comics or email me Chris at sunspotscomics.com. But his art is gorgeous. It's definitely a throwback to the 30s, that Al Capone days of of prohibition. And I tell you, the coloring is so spot on. It really just kind of takes you back in time to the 30s. Really sets a great tone. And there are times where there is almost or there is no dialogue whatsoever. And they just let the panels breathe with this just just absolute time travel feel you have going on here. Uh, they they go into old Los Angeles, and I just love looking at it. I know they have some digital digital inspired sort of backgrounds, but they color it and add some shading and light to it that that gives it its own sort of unique feel. Has a very sort of brown and uh, and strange mixtures of uh, weird sort of paisley colors. It's it's uh, but it's so very flashback, and it's so very just captures that 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 essence of that of the of its time in those in the 30s so it's just beautiful and the and the emotional looks on all the faces he are drawn so well even hands feet etc such great detail to physics and such respect to light have to give hats off here for artist jeff on trigger man which we'll get into here soon and the art cover winner is empress number seven stuart eminen stuart's work is so beautiful and so iconic and the cover of Empress number seven has like these gorgeous three suns and this sort of silhouetting of your our main character, uh, the, the woman that's looking sort of right towards you. And yet it's blend with the, the main clash of our main bad guy and main good guy with spaceships sort of flying out of behind these two suns. And it's they're silhouetted that way. It's just very kind of like a 
beautiful, iconic 70s Star Wars poster is what it reminds me of. And it's just gorgeous. And even the little attention to detail, whereas the word Empress has like this sort of crest behind it, it gives uh, definitely some authenticity there of this family crest because that's at the core what this comic is about and is family and issues with family. And it seems to have that right behind the word Empress on the comic, which just gives it that little extra little piece of finesse, that little extra touch to make it just beautiful. And it's just iconic, and with space in the background, it just gives you that kind of Star Wars awesome sci-fi feel. So, Stuart Eminem, knocking it out of the park here with your beautiful cover. You are most definitely the winner this week. And uh, thank you so much for your beautiful art. And the breakdown. So, here we go. This week, I actually bought 24 comics. <laughs> it was a big week. And 10 of them made it to the favorite pick list. And that's below that 50%, which I like to be at a definitely above 50%. So... Yeah, that's uh, it's preferred to be that way so that I really feel like my money is is uh, I'm getting every single cent's worth of my of my money. But this week it didn't happen. Only ten made the made the great list. And uh, this week also uh, new number ones. There were two. We had Venom and Superpowers, and only one of them made it to the top picks of the week, which is pretty darn good. So here we go. Let's break it down. Let's get into my favorite comic book picks of the week for New Comic Book Day. Wednesday, November 23rd. My favorite day of the week. It always is. Has been since uh, 1941. But uh, <laughs> here we go. Coming in at number 10 is from Dark Horse Comics, Harrow County. And this is from Colin Bunn on script. And this is a guest artist. It's not Tyler Crook this week, which already I go, uh-oh. Uh, but it's Carla Speed McNeil. And she does a pretty solid job, I gotta say. She hangs in there with the tone. It doesn't have that that painted, that watercoloring look that Tyler Crook has, but she hangs in there, but there's some really heavy meat of the story here that's happening. That's why it was definitely one of the great picks, but this family that's following Emmy around, this witch coven family, that arrives in this strange colonial home that just sort of arrives in various places throughout time and throughout the world, uh, in this strange house that just appears and bounces like it's like it's alive. Uh, this is the breakdown of that family and why they actually had Miss Hester uh, at, hung at the tree. And from that tree is where our main character, Emmy, was born. And, and of course, this centers um, around Emmy in a way, but this really spends some time sort of how the family coven of witches sort of how their, their group split and how their group was not so perfect and had some issues and they all kind of went their own kind of direction and the evolution of one main character named I want to say his name is like Malachi yes I was right well wow. and I said I pulled it out of my brain before I actually read it on the page right now and Malachi is the centerpiece of this this witch coven and he is a creator of beings by creating this strange mud-like mold and then brings life to them so he's almost like evil godlike in a way but he's he's sort of twisted in that he wants to create good but never does these beings that he creates from mud mold uh, just end up wreaking havoc and becoming also um, other members in this witch coven but his intentions are sort of there and it's that conflict that really makes this comic book interesting because he creates Hester this evil witch that ultimately is the creator of all these horrible things and monsters in Harrow County as the primary piece of this story 
it's like you never really see Hester's face as well. Even the way that the uh, Carla does the art here, you just never really get a completely good look at Hester's face. So it's always a little frightening to see her in any panels. But there's dealings with her here with Malachi and, and Hester and her sort of origin. As to we realize now she's made with clay. And then there is this demon beast. You go back to sort of current day because there's a lot of flashbacking of the witch coven. To where Emmy is speaking to this giant sort of bull-like demon. And you don't really know if this demon is good or bad. And you get the origin story here. And I'm not going to tell you every detail. Because it's very interesting. It's very well done. And I like that this adds a ton of depth. So that when we move forward in the story of Harrow County. Uh, it'll be that much richer and, and detailed. So I'm all in. Harrow County has been a solid, consistent uh, comic that is unique and twisted and on the side of horror but some great unique storytelling and there's hope there because you're actually behind Emmy and you want her to make Harrow County safe and peaceful for the people that live there so uh, it has hope there and yet it's a horror based comic fantastic could not recommend that anymore and coming in at number nine is uh, the only number one that made it in this week and this was definitely a surprise hit for me I must have just been kind of fiending for for a more of a cartoony style happy-go-lucky DC comic and that's what I got here with the number nine this week is superpowers number one and I tell you uh, this by the way is art by Art Baltazar and I think he also writes it I think he's one in the same uh, that's the no the writer is uh, Franco uh, that's just the first name <laughs> and it is a cartoon strip style of your um, The Mighty Trinity primarily is the, the centerpiece of uh, this particular comic, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And this is just a comic book style, comic strip style, just very colorful, cartoony-like feel to it. It's way all ages, and a ton of all ages never really makes it into my brain or into where I need to spend money on it. But this just jumped out for some reason because of the beautiful, beautiful cover and I tell you, a special mention to the art here, this was the only comic that I actually snapped pictures of to set as my background on my iPhone. So that tells you something. It's just beautifully colored, it's bright, it's cartoony, it's happy, and you you start right off with this sequence of, of uh, Gordon summoning Batman through the bat si signal and Superman arrives. <laughs> and he's like, uh, where's the Batman? There's a ton of kid comedy in this. Brainiac is involved. Uh, they have Batman. Uh, Brainiac has him in his evil lair. And uh, there's kryptonite everywhere. And Superman has to find a way in. And even he goes throughout Gotham and fights the, the, the rogue gallery of uh, villains of Batmans. So he's fighting Mr. Freeze. Superman's fighting Mr. Freeze. He's fighting like a Yeti. I, I don't know exactly who that is there. He's fighting the Penguin, the Riddler. So it's Superman facing them. But they're... The way that they're drawn is just so fun and campy and cute, and I just, I just super enjoyed it. It, it just uh, made me happy, and it, it made my eyeballs uh, just uh, super happy. <laughs> so put your eyes on this superpowers. It's just fun. It's wacky. It's for kids. If you want to get something for your kid this week, get this, and uh, or not. If you're just a kid at heart like me, grab superpowers number one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue on. I mean, it even, even has their sort of current outfits. Now, except for Wonder Woman, she has the pants, but they even kind of go into a weird sort of origin of of Wonder Woman, which is interesting, like her with her mother. And so it's actually packed with a lot of surprising little things here, like 
even the uh, Candor is addressed. That uh, new Krypton is there, and they've enlarged the small city, and now it's a planet that's hovering around this sun. And you have uh, Superman's parents that are alive on Candor, so there's you can't go with continuity. You have to throw that out the window. But it's just a fun, cartoony, good time. Check out Superpowers; you will not be disappointed. And coming in at number eight is Star Wars issue number twenty-five from Marvel Comics. And this is written by Jason Aaron and artist George or Jorge Molina. And this has been rather interesting because of this Scar Squad. And this is the elite sort of strange band of awesome stormtroopers that hit stuff when they shoot. They have a stormtrooper with a lightsaber. And they their suits all look completely different, so it's easy to tell them apart. And they have rocket jetpacks. And a lot of arsenal and weaponry and knives even attached to them. They just this awesome detail. I want, I'm going to see cosplay of this. You know, we will see a continual, uh, every single year, it's going to, I just feel it's going to grow in popularity with cosplay of the Scar unit. And it's, it's really, they're kind of the focus here. But uh, this is set to where after uh, episode four took place, so uh, we know maybe they aren't going to make it, but hopefully they're going to hang in there and become canon and weave their way into uh, the Star Wars canon. I hope so, because this is uh, ending sort of an arc of where the Rebels have stolen a um, one of the actual Star Destroyers of the Empire, and they've barely been able to keep it afloat. Uh, and with the ragtag group of rebels that are, are are controlling it. And now Darth Vader and a giant armada of the Empire has finally found it. They were actually on their way to this planet called Terrene 7, where they were trying to sort of stop the Empire embargo. And it's led by this bloodthirsty Sergeant Creel. And it's, uh, it's, it's a small little story of, of this embargo hitting this planet and them trying to crash land... Basically, with their stolen Star Destroyer, they're crash landed into the center of the Empire and and change the situation for this planet, this Terrine Seven, so that the people there will be free of the tyranny of the Empire. And so, Scar Squad is there on the actual Star Destroyer, and you've got the you've got Luke in a lightsaber battle with one of the Scar Scar Unit stormtroopers, and Darth Vader tells him not to not to kill him and he's like no i'm not killing him i'm educating him and they just they're fighting in this lightsaber battle and you don't know because luke's sort of force powers are not really that developed here you got to remember this is right after episode four but it's it's just action-packed and fun definitely the action-packed winner of the week and darth vader is in his unique tie fighter he's he's fighting all the rebels that are around this star destroyer trying to get into it and you have chewbacca fighting one of them, one of the uh, Scar stormtroopers that is this awesome, huge behemoth of a stormtrooper, and he like says, "I'm I'm excited. We're gonna have Wookie for dinner." As he's fighting him, like you definitely get the badassery sense happening here with this Scar unit. And uh, I don't want to tell you what happens. It's it's a great little ending. It ends the arc definitely. Where it's gonna go from here is kind of up in the air. And uh, the Scar unit doesn't fare completely well. Um, but some things happen here, some exciting stuff. And actually at its heart is kind of that little birth of the romance of Han and Leia. They definitely show that here because you remember in episode 5 is where that uh, the love really blossoms. But there's hints of that here and it's definitely enough to keep it interesting and to kind of as an homage to the old Star Wars. And they just have been hitting this 
out of the park, Star Wars 25. I can't believe it's already here because it's gone by so fast. I'm sure it's collected in multiple ways, but get Star Wars, just the primary title. If you're thinking in your mind, wow, there's so many Star Wars things, I don't know where to start. There's, you know, Han Solo has his thing and Darth Vader had 25-ish. Just start with this and try to get all 25 issues. I'm sure they're going to collect them in two or three trades. Maybe more, maybe four or five trades. But get Star Wars. It is fantastic. Great buy. Good stuff. So coming in at number seven, coming in here is uh, Frostbite. Frostbite is from Image, uh, from Vertigo Comics, I'm sorry. This is uh, art by one of my favorites. And it's uh, it's written by Joshua Williamson, who's doing The Flash, and he did Birthright. And art by Jason Sean Alexander, who, uh, he was nice enough, I say it all the time, to do this beautiful sketch. And he has such a, he's a mural painter. This guy uses sort of strange techniques in his painting. And he has an actual colorist here, and you can tell that it's a little different looking for him, but still very well done in actually that watercolor style that I usually like in Harrow County. But Frostbite is an awesome sort of story. It's definitely like this Mad Max post-apocalyptic feel in an ice age where the earth has taken over by by frozen tundra and there is also normal frostbite is now sort of a virus that will actually destroy you rather quickly and so it's like uh, it's evolved freezing weather has evolved into this virus that will freeze you to death even quicker so it's pretty crazy but this is the introduction to sort of the main bad guy the level 10 big boss if you will and he has to stay alive by staying in like a super duper hot sauna and that's an interesting take there like so does that mean that he's never going to leave this sauna to kind of be the bad guy in front of our good folks but here he's just laying out doing his bad guy thing where he has to he has to take one of his minions that failed his one of his doings and dispatch him and it's uh it's done in a pretty cold-blooded way yeah so that's that's uh you're right off the bat you're given the tone here of the primary bad guy is not to be messed with in his evil. And uh, and he, so he's in this crazy sauna. We go back to our main character who is this this young woman that is kind of um, a little conflicted. She is sort of a bounty hunter, but she's kind of trying to do the right thing with, with Vic here that is a daughter of this scientist. And she believes that Vic holds the key to to understanding the way to stop the frostbite virus. So there's some hope here. There is uh, there is two people here that, uh, they're the driver and our main character, this this woman that is trying to get Vic to safety, get, get her somewhere. We kind of don't know where she's trying to get her, but she's trying to keep her away from everything that is bad in this world. And you're introduced into some interesting characters here, these snow queens that sort of, treat the snow as a god that they pray to pretty crazy and they have their own sort of unique twisted way and they're on the trail of our heroes that are trying to just get to safety and then you also have the firemen and yeah it's just these these crazy hellbent villains on setting things on fire in this world of cold and they also it's their sort of religion so it's twisted it has that like i said that mad max feel to it and and his art, I tell you, is just gorgeous. Jason Sean's Alexander's art here is dark. It's gritty. The way they draw the snow is just, it's overwhelming and it's and it's insane. It doesn't look pretty and happy. The snow here looks frightening. And it's a great paced comic here because you ultimately it's a chase. You have good guys trying to get away from these the crazy snow queens and the and the firehouse 
of firemen that are trying to just destroy everything with fire. So it's action-packed. She's got a sniper weapon on top of this awesome sort of tumbler, for lack of a better word. It definitely looks like Batman's tumbler that they're driving across this frozen tundra. And it very cinematic feel to it. It has this definite feel like this could be a great movie, TV show, etc. And uh, I love the the queens of the snow and the and that and these like sort of uh, spears that they have with what looks like shards of snow of, of ice on the end of these spears and it just looks blue and it's very cool looking so a lot of great visual art here tons of action in this particular issue great sort of jumping on point actually i know it's uh, frostbite number three but it kind of gives you a recap of the story and you you jump right in to them running and again awesome action with these batman tumblers across the snow i mean you don't need any more than that <laughs> so here we go now coming in at number six is the goddamned number five <laughs> and it's been a while since we've seen issue number four it has to have been at least three months so this is the end of the arc this is uh, written by jason aaron gorgeous art by rm guerra and this is a uh, man i can't talk about the last couple of pages here because it really had a jaw-dropping surprise in this end of arc and i can't wait to see where it continues to go but this has our kane our main character kane who is uh, walking the earth and kind of wishing for death has reluctantly decided to help this young woman find her son and he even wants to help this other young boy that he came across and he really kind of just wants to die in a way, but sort of wants to help this young woman find her son that's been taken into the camp of Noah. And Noah's camp is the most one of the most disgusting things you'll ever see in a comic book. I mean, this comic stinks. I've said it before. <laughs> There's so much gore and so much level 10 violence here and body parts flying and arms being taken off. And Kane is fighting with this sort of bone boomerang is the best way to describe it that he's using is kind of an kind of a like kind of an axe slash sword and it's just hacking and tearing and ripping and cracking and it's 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 gross it's gory if that's what you want in a comic this is a buffet of it <laughs> a buffet of gore i tell you but it's still there's that little bit of hope there that kane is this reluctant hero and the young boy is still alive and yet there is this this showdown here between Kane and Noah and Noah's got to be a foot and a half taller than him and he brings out this Nephilim giant and man it's like this deformed uh, 13 14 foot tall giant with strange like bone contusions sticking out of him and one eye is larger than the other he kind of reminds me of a uh, of the guy from Goonies <laughs> in a way um, and uh, he's frightening to look at and that's all I want to give you because there is some major boss showdown and a serious unexpected crazy twist at the end of the goddamn so this has been a great series I feel like this is going to win some Eisner's it's some unique storytelling with that mixed of, of, of religion in here as well there's it, there's const constantly sort of a respect to scripture which is uh, kind of strange in a comic book. There's even some scripture at the beginning of this comic. Uh, Genesis is actually quoted here. But it is in this twisted world of where, uh, but very sort of possible world that early on uh, before the uh, flood in the Bible, you know, if you are into that, and yet it's this very over-the-top gory look at how things were and uh, before, say, God decided to lay down his wrath and... Uh, 
and and the deluge that that came after people on earth were just nasty <laughs> but the goddamn it's so good it's so goddamn good <laughs> please get it it's just uh I, it, now it's nice that all five are here because these five issues probably took like two years to come out with these five issues i think but anyway so coming in at number five is from hard case crime comics trigger man issue number two and this is written by walter hill and this is uh, adapted by Matts, and this is art by jeff this is the art winner of the week by just jeff j-e-f gorgeous fantastic beautiful realistic gritty 30s look it really takes you back in time and this is the story of uh mr nash uh quote the trigger man who is a he's a hitman for hire and he's got a tommy gun and that's where it focuses around but he's also trying to find this lovely woman that uh he that cast a spell upon him and he has to find her and he was released from prison at the start of this and he was given a chance taken out of prison from some people that are involved with al capone so it's pre it's you know that prohibition era and uh, where alcohol is banned and he's uh he's has the favor of mr al capone and it, it references the chicago mob and i love that the world they're setting here it's this character to our main character nash uh trigger man looks to me like a very young Ray Liotta. So it even has that good fellas, I don't know, that vibe, that gangster feel. And I haven't had that in a comic book in like a long time where I've been interested in reading this sort of genre of comic. And I have been enjoying it. They do a great job of giving you the story so far to recap issue number one. Go get issue number one. It was a previous pick of the week and previous art winner of the week when it first came out. Uh, it's not really on time, but issue number two just came out and you can get it everywhere. Uh, local comic book shops might be a little tough to find because, like I said, it's an indie uh, title, The Hard Case Crime. It's with Titan Comics, so it's a little tricky to get out there, but uh, find it. It is worth it. And so this picks up uh, after the first issue, which he went to a someplace in, I want to say it was Phoenix, on the trail of two guys because Al Capone has uh, one of his two guys that have sort of disobeyed him and disrespected him from this job that Al Capone gave them to rob this this uh, half a million dollars which you know the 30s is four billion and they took the money and uh, took off and he actually doesn't care so much about the money but he wants these two guys killed immediately killed and so that's where Trigger Man comes in so he's hot on the trail here and they showed old downtown Los Angeles there's definitely some digital reference here as I was looking up some pictures of old downtown LA but man it's just gorgeously done some of its hand-drawn you can tell mixed in with digital you know rendering but they do such a beautiful job to really take you back in time to the 30s and so uh, Trigger Man initially has this uh, woman that he met uh, that's sort of trailing along with him and he quickly kind of gets rid of her and, and it's an interesting way that he even does that in that you thought he would kind of take this this beautiful woman along with him but he's all business he says no look here's some money to get you by here's a place i set you up with a job and a place to live you can either be a waitress or take care of fellas upstairs so he knows that she's kind of a working girl but i like that that tone they're setting for trigger man he's just all business and he's not going to be uh, swayed by anything except for this woman that he's chasing which is in his pocket watch and she looks like um kind of a like a, maybe a black woman that in this day and age like why or this particular era here in the 30s that's i know it's going to have some some problems there 
with him trying to find this woman and it absolutely does it pays off he's looking for her in some of these old like uh, some of these jazz juke joints and yeah you know uh they run into some problems there you know whitey's not allowed in there and they go after him there's definitely some some uh, uh some vocabulary in the vernacular of its time in the 30s so uh definitely inappropriate a little you know a little gasping but it's appropriate for its time to really give you that authenticity of this genre and i love his uh his manservant his his um his butler is sort of guy that that al capone's assigned to him it's this ex-boxer that uh he has like these scars down the right down the center of his eyes and uh he is like this bald-headed guy in these awesome suits and he doesn't say a word and it's just a he's a frightening sort of drawn character beautifully drawn and interesting because he really doesn't say anything but he follows orders and i love the work in the hotels here in these los angeles hotels it's just like i said it's just beautiful and as uh, Trigger Man checks into this gorgeous Los Angeles hotel in the 30s, uh, he's uh, trailed by the hotel detective. Like, was that a thing? I have to look that up. And this hotel detective just sort of knows by looking at Trigger Man that he's involved with something. He could be an organized crime individual. And he's up there looking for a payout. And that doesn't end so well for the hotel detective. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you what happens there. But it's just him hot on the trail, and it's it's not giving you up everything. It's nicely paced, and he has to find this woman that is in his pocket watch that he even sees her. In, uh, he constantly looks at this pocket watch in prison. He's He sleeps with it on his chest, so it's definitely this woman has his heart. And how? Because he seems like a pretty heartless person. But they even have this zero dialogue a sort of panel moment with some beautiful backgrounds of them going on to what looks like a like the titanic and they're taking a skimmer boat out to it and it's just beautiful the the respect to light here and the orange sunset beautiful absolutely beautiful easily art pick winner of the of the week it was just gorgeous beautiful art by jeff so thank you for that jeff <laughs> but trigger man please check it out it's gorgeous i don't want to tell you what happens towards the end it's definitely a cliffhanger ending and you have to look at it but click check out click, trigger man it's only on issue number two so uh, coming in at number four is Cave Carson, issue number two. And Cave Carson uh, has a cybernetic eye, written by Gerard Way and John Rivera, art by Michael Evon Oming. And this has that kind of chew-like art feel to it, and it, that it's very twisted and unique. And I love the sort of indie feel of this comic, because Cave Carson here now, you kind of get his origin. How did he, how did he get that cybernetic eye? It's basically explained here, and I don't want to tell you why, but it's these beautiful cave panels in purple. And what happens to his eye here in this hyper, super zoomed-in, focused moment is grotesque, but awesome at the same time. <laughs> you have to see it. But their use of like light sort of splashing in these crazy lines and where things are hyper-zoomed in and the background is hyper-clear as well is a very unique sort of art style. Very clean lines and kind of a cartoony look, but absolutely gorgeous. And I love this exchange with the daughter where her current boyfriend is someone she's just kind of not into and the boyfriend's just not getting it. And it's just intelligently written here and you have to see this little sequence of the daughter dealing with this boyfriend that she's kind of like, eh, I gotta dump this guy, but kind of can't because he's sweet and kind of dumb at the same time. But it's just great, just just hilarious. And then you go into Cave Carson, who is the member of this organization called EBX, 
and he's figured out here that EBX is trying to kidnap his daughter and and basically kill him for what reason he doesn't quite know but in the end of issue number one there was this sort of monster that came at him in the uh, in his EBX cave where he works so he has this very kind of awkward situation conversation with his boss into where he wants to uh, you know tell him he quits but he can't just do that because they have an ulterior motive which he doesn't quite understand yet so the story isn't uh, they're just keeping it sort of a mystery at this point but they're coming after the daughter they're coming after cave carson and i love that the pen that was referenced in the first issue where it was the older style pen with the uh an image of someone and as you turn the pen upside down it sort of takes their blouse off bikini off or pants off it was a real pen i wish i um i just remember them everywhere in truck stops and in vegas and all over the place i spent a lot of time in vegas but he uses that as a as a bomb here and how he does it is very cool i don't want to give you every detail but just unique how they sort of reference that little pen is actually a bomb and it was a gift from his uh, his wife who had just passed so uh it's uh, has a little sentimental thing there and yet it saves his life and then you're introduced to his sort of sidekick i think uh i, I think i want to call him wild dog is that what i what i'm thinking he is but anyway he wears a hockey mask and he has like kind of a hockey jersey on and he's fighting these bad guys and Cave Carson needs him. He takes this sort of aquatic, looks a, a cut between a submarine and an awesome old style 30s roadster and uh, he, Cave Carson steals that from the EBX lab and he's on the run, but they're chasing him. And it's strange how these EBX soldiers have like these sort of glow in the dark pink shirts. So it's, it's definitely a unique look, kind of twisted. And then they wear sort of like just these hoods on their face, like these hoods by themselves. And uh, so an interesting kind of visual. And as the daughter's trying to get away, he's trying to get away from these EBX people. And Wild Dog has just dispatched these crazy villains for what you're not exactly sure. But there's a beautiful sequence in here about where the staples are about midway in that there is this EBX agent's car is flipped over and it shows like this x-ray transparent view of the car being flipped over and the x-ray view shows all of the EBX agents and how they're all kind of dead and twisted and bloody inside but it's so uniquely done like nothing you've seen where there's an x-ray through this this broken car that's flipped over and the pool of blood at the bottom of the car shows this awesome like upside down skull face like you have to see it it's such a cool looking page it was enough to just buy it just for that alone but cave carson is weird it's fun it's it's definitely has that independent unique twisted feel here you don't quite know what's happening with the story yet or why he's running from ebx and why they're going after his daughter as well but the art style here is gorgeous i'm, I'm completely in because of its unique style so many purples and and that zoom in sequence, like I said, of how Cave Carson gets his eye, you have to see it. And, of course, the x-ray version of the car. Those two alone are worth buying it because it's just something I haven't seen. It's very fresh, very interesting looking. So there you go. That's Cave Carson. But now we're breaking the uh, top three. So here we go. The top three picks of the week. So here we go. Coming in at number three is Empress. Issue number seven of seven. So this is the end of the arc. Looks like it's going to keep going. I think that Mark Millar maybe did not want it to keep going at first, but you can kind of tell he reeled that in from its popularity. This is written by Mark Millar and art by Stuart Eminen. This is the 
cover winner, cover art, cover art winner of the week. Beautiful by Stuart Eminen. Like I said before, this dual suns and the silhouette of our main character woman's face and the showdown between our main bad guy and Dane. The sort of he has this all white. He's like the head of the guard that is the protector of the queen. And this uh, ultimately is a story of uh, sort of a dysfunctional family. This queen wants to leave the emperor, who is this this evil man, this tyrant, this dictator, this this murderer. And this is Earth, like millions and bazillions of years ago. So interesting that in that that's the stage they set and the premise that this happened a long time ago. Yet they have like cell phones and crazy technology that's very very sci-fi. Like it's a, an interesting take on what earth you know prehistoric earth before there's no dinosaurs but it's just run by aliens like it's really kind of wild so i wonder how that's going to be addressed or do they all get wiped out or what happens like so just kind of a neat stage that it's setting with its prehistoric earth and yet it's very advanced technology is and aliens everywhere but this is the the sort of the the kind of the end of this where uh, where we find out what happens with them. So they're on the run. The queen is on the run. She has her kids with her. And Dane is just trying to protect them. The previous issues, they didn't seem to have any romantic involvement. Well, they have been romantically involved now. But that wasn't the the catalyst that inspired the queen to run away from her emperor husband. Uh, it's because he was this evil tyrant and murdering people left and right. <laughs> and she wanted what was best for her kids. And her oldest daughter is having a hard time with this. She calls the dad and tells him, hey, pick me up. And it's just like, there is this strange thing in this big sci-fi war of, of chasing the queen and, and this crazy emperor that is ultimately a, you know, it's a family going through a divorce. And the oldest daughter is having the hardest time with it. And they have uh, this, this character that has control of this, of this strange teleporter character. Uh, like artificial intelligence computer that is able to teleport them from planet to planet all over the galaxy. And this is where they're hiding out at the queen's sister's house, but they've been betrayed uh, who they think they've been betrayed, but uh, it's not as clear cut as you think. And I don't want to tell you that what happens there, but but what a twist this has in that there's really nowhere for them to go. They're taken capture. They're, Betrayed by their by the queen's sister for money, and the emperor father uh, of the the queen's husband shows up here. There's hundreds of troops around them, and they do that thing that I love sometimes, which is call out the emperor and say, "I challenge you to a one-on-one duel uh, for right to rule the galaxy." And Dane, who is uh, he, just reminds me of this of this like uh, like a He's just like Han Solo, like an older Han Solo, is what it reminds me of. This uh, this leader of the guard, he stands true. Then, if he's gonna s- sort of semi steal the queen from the emperor, he has to be able to defend her, and he stands up for her, and he doesn't do so well. <laughs> but who steps up here, and what happens from that moment that has to sort of step in is a is a surprise. That's what the core of this is. So I don't want to say who what person that is or who steps up surprisingly to sort of save the day, but I was I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I was a little surprised by it. I thought it would be someone else or that Dane would just be triumphant against the evil emperor. Uh not the case. But 
is wraps it up nicely it, it leads you into a cliffhanger to continue a second arc so i think that's kind of nice that mark millar wants to keep going with this in this beautiful sci-fi epic drama it's only seven issues so you can grab them in collection i'm sure it's just going to be all seven but so beautifully done the art by Stuart eminent is gorgeous there's so many colors in this it's so much sci-fi action goodness you got to get it just buy it be uh, just trust me get this you won't be disappointed now, coming in at number two from Image Comics is the series finale, series finale-ish? Issue number 60 of Chew. This is uh, by John Lehman and art by Rob Gilroy. And uh, I'll give you a mini spoilerish alert here in that it's really not an ending. It's really not. And if you if you know that kind of going in, it, I think it will help you with the experience of this comic because I kind of went in thinking, this is over, over. And that's not really the case, and you'll see exactly why. I don't want to spoil it all, but really don't go in thinking it's a true series finale. It's a kind of a light, we'll see what happens from here, not quite sure. But there's they go true to form here, which is great. It's mostly centered around the sense of humor that has made Chu successful. It's a very, very many, many, many years later, after the ending of issue 59, had the... Powers of Amelia, that's uh, Chu's uh, wife or a woman that he loves, which when she writes something and someone reads the story, they sort of live it and feel it and it becomes true and the food they taste really happens. She writes this uh, story that ultimately when it's read by Chu, this is crazy, it's going to sound nuts, uh, when he reads it will will kill anyone on the planet that eats chicken. <laughs> and yes, uh, he saves the lives of billions uh, by killing millions. Well, many years later here, it's sort of the aftermath of that. Chu is still alive. He's very old. He bites into his fingernail, eating, in in sense, a part of himself. And his entire life flashes before his eyes. All 60 issues are done in this evenly squared, multi-paneled, double splash page, fold-out double splash page of unique teeny little storytelling and recapping of the entire 60 issues and i tell you as someone that has read every single one of them in floppy i never read this in collection i i managed to jump on number one when i met the team of this uh at a con years ago i can't believe it's been like 10 years or something with this uh it it really it got me it it tugged on the heartstrings it they even um he, they show older Tony sort of reflecting and looking back on these strange panels in this sort of mural of his life. And it's so well done. And the emotion that they that is drawn onto Tony Chu's face as he's remembering this was uh, hats down. Uh, hat down. I'm not even wearing a hat. But winner by far as far as the emotional feeling here. Um, they really did a great job. And then you sort of see this new... Sort of, uh, you see, not new, but what happens to his daughter and the daughter's new partner. And this is where it gets funny. It's humorous. Uh, there's an awkward uh, sexual encounter between uh, the daughter's new partner and, like, the armadillo boss. So it's a little weird and twisted and psychedelic is what I'll tell you because they're, they're spraying the ink of this strange sort of chog alien being into their faces and they have, like, a psychedelic trip. <laughs> so yeah, it's that's what Chew is about. It's weird, it's twisted. You have to read every single little background notation because they continually there's an area where there's area 51 
and it just stood right out into my mind and it's like in the ender page end pages here but there's an area 51 sort of fence and it just says like um it says like area 51 is run by the government so some shady stuff is happening here but it's like written in this teeny little font and you can miss it easily don't miss the little background comedy little bites that are all in chew in every single issue that's been a consistency it's a unique little part of chew it's really what makes it's such an interesting fun twisted weird comic but chew delivers that all the way to this end question mark but yeah it says like warning military facility doing shady business ahead but no loitering (laughs) it's like it is filled with 3,000 of those in 60 issues. So they always make me laugh. I'm always searching every single panel to find those little blurbs. But man, what a great piece of work. There's a lovely letter from the creators, a letter each from from John and from from Rob at the back. So you have to read those because they're, they're very well uh, put together. And some great thank yous to the fans and to the readers. And just a reflection upon the however many years it was of Chew. But solid, solid uh, series uh, finale. And I loved it. And the cover had a had a triple splash fold-out page, which you don't see very often. It was $5.99, so be warned there. It's a little more expensive, but worth it. I want to say there was probably 60 pages, close to 60 pages in this, if you count the splashes. So you get a ton of content for 6 bucks. It's completely worth it. Uh, like I said, though... Go in thinking it's a series finale-ish, <laughs> and you, uh, you, I think you'll be happy with that. Trust me, it's not saying too much. But anyway, coming in at number one, the number one comic book this week for November 23rd is from Image Comics. It's Lake of Fire, issue number four. This is written by Nathan Fairbairn and art by Matt Smith. And the art is gorgeous in this. It's solid. It's definitely this historical fiction mixed with uh, sci-fi so it's the blending of this genre coming together like the time of the crusades and these knights and uh, there is a side there is an alien element that's crashed in their area and how they deal with it is very interesting and i love that we're in issue number four and he's really done some great character development here to where you're caring for the characters they're interesting they're unique you have this sort of very beaten uh, head of uh, head of like head sergeant that is kind of leading the way that is uh, he's very sort of bleak but you know why he's been through wars and he has like PTSD ultimately but he's kind of taken this leadership role now and they've decided to take the offensive instead of just having this strange sort of cockroach style alien that's attacking them and and destroy and eating them and stealing their people and taking them back to their ship They've decided to take the offensive here and go into the ship there and battle them. And they know they're ultimately potentially going to their death. And it's like seven of them, including this woman that they found that uh, who uh, the priest in the town considers like a witch or a heretic of some sort. And she's even brave enough to say, I will go to, to, make, to take the offensive with this small group of people and these knights into this this gigantic alien ship where i even like the way that the aliens are drawn they're like like i said these strange little cockroach like beings they have a very hive mentality they they don't speak they just sort of make these screeching sounds and they they're kind of frightening in a way and the the art style is in that midpoint it's in that not cartoony and not hyper realistic but it's right in that sweet spot it's very uh and the emotions on the faces are done really well though a lot of zoom in moments where 
the uh, very clearly some storytelling done from the primary characters but what really sold this comic for me was a moment here where a man finds his daughter in the belly of this alien warship and his daughter was taken by these aliens and the daughter is uh is has these alien cockroaches kind of like all over her rib cage and they're eating at her slowly but he finds her and it's this heroic element also you feel that as well the small band of group going after this this giant alien ship it's like they're so against the odds here but they're there's you feel that that element of, of bravery you feel that they're they're against all odds they're going in to save their people and there's that moment where this man finds his daughter there that was taken and it really is so well done just beautifully done in how the daughter here does not look well and not going to make it and as the the giant horde the the nest the infestation of these aliens finally discover that they're in their ship and chase after them this man says like i'm not leaving you um you know he's holding on to his daughter and she, i'm not sure if she's completely um awake or not but he decides to to just stay there with his daughter and and it's uh it's it's man it's heartwarming and that he he's, he's on his knees holding his daughter's what's left of his daughter and he uh, just you know is overrun by these crazy alien cockroach monsters but man it, at its heart it's a very hero-like feel that's happening here and i really like that about lake of fire and the first three issues were just a ton of setup but now you know these characters and you feel for them and and then mixed in with it is this this woman that's considered a witch and heretic and this priest that really just is hell-bent on 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 stopping her and you know it's uh it's it's does he show up? Is he there? What happens? Um, I don't want to spoil it all, but there's definitely a, a cliffhanger to, lex, to next week's uh, next month, uh, issue number five of um, Lake of Fire, which I can't wait to see. It'll be the end of the arc. But great blending of a genre here and sci-fi and this historical fiction. It's just beautifully drawn. It's a it's hitting that sweet spot on all levels here. And like I said, that moment with the the man that's just going to be with his daughter to the end. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's heartbreaking and beautiful. But please, check out Lake of Fire. It's only on issue number four. You should go and buy it right away, or it's going to be collected, I'm sure, when the fifth and final issue comes out. But And it's been relatively on time, so hats off to Nathan Fairbairn and Matt Smith for doing on-time monthly work here. There's something to be said about that, but it's gorgeous, it's fun, it's that, that Game of Thrones-like feel, it's a little bit of fantasy sci-fi, and that and the Crusades all, all blended in there, but well done character development, and I, I love the primary character, like I said, that is uh, this PTSD, uh, this soldier, this crusade, this knight. But there you go, folks, that is, uh, that's it, that's all of our, those are all my recommendations for new comic book day november 23rd so please get yourself up and go on over to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately tell them chris from sunspots comic sent you they'll look at you weird but it's fine you know they're gonna look at you weird anyway i guess right who knows but anyway uh, if you have any questions comments or you want a personal comic book recommendation just email me directly at chris at sunspotscomics.com if i choose your email and i discuss it on a podcast i will send you a little comic book thank you prize from me personally and please sign up for our email newsletter, sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And please tune in next week to issue number 83 of the podcast. I'm actually only reading nine comics next week, which is weird, for November 30th. And there's only three new number ones, so potentially only 12 comics next week, which is super small. But there's some great stuff coming out next week that I'm looking forward to. There's Aliens Defiance number seven. 
You've got Hillbilly number six. Uh, the Image Plus magazine issue number eight is coming out next week. I've been loving that. They sell it for two bucks now by itself. You don't have to buy a preview magazine anymore. The giant phone book of a preview catalog. You can actually buy Image Plus, the magazine, by itself for two bucks. And issue number eight is coming out next week. And Saga number 40. I love Saga every single month. Consistent. And Skyborn. That's another one that I'm really looking forward to. That's done by Mr. Cho. His art is fantastically beautiful. That's just some of the stuff I'm excited about. That's I'm looking forward to. That's coming out next week. So please uh, tune in. And thank you so much. Deeply from uh, the bottom of my heart. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to help us out here at Sunspots Comics, just please subscribe to us and just go to iTunes and give us a positive review with five stars. It really means a lot. I will personally thank you right here on the podcast if you do so. So thank you very much. So have a good week. Have a good night. Have a good rest of your day. And please don't forget to, of course, be water, my friend. Be light.
Comics Now.